Hello and welcome to the Novel Analyst Podcast. I'm Jed Hearn and every episode I analyze a story to help you become a better writer. This episode is titled Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson, Misfit Characters. And as always, there will be spoilers ahead. So Warbreaker is a free novel by Brandon Sanderson. Yes, that's free. If you just search Brandon Sanderson Warbreaker free, um, he lets you download it for free from his website, which is how I read it. And it's awesome that he's giving away one of his best novels for free. And it is a fantasy novel about this, um, these two sisters, Ciri and Vivina. And they are both uh, princesses for this nation. And Vivina is, from a very early age, betrothed to this mystical, all-powerful god-king of another nation. Um, however, on the day that she is about to be sent off to marry the god-king, after you know having had 20 years to prepare for her new life as the wife of this god-king, um, her father decides to send her sister Ciri instead. So Ciri, who has no training, who, unlike Vivina, is not prim and proper and formal and educated in politics, Ciri, who is just like kind of this wild spirit who rather, you know, is would rather prefer to ride horses and do other things like that um, rather than sort of be like a prim and proper lady like Vivina is, Ciri is the one who is sent off in Vivina's place to marry the God King. And the whole reason why this marriage has to happen is because Ciri and Vivina's nation um, is kind of like this rogue country set up inside the borders of the God King's realm. So they have to send off, you know, someone to marry the God King to sort of appease them and keep a treaty up between these two nations so that war doesn't happen and so Ciri and Vivina's uh, country does not get destroyed. And what I found really fascinating about this novel, apart from of course, the obligatorily amazing Brandon Sanderson magic system, um, which is a color-based magic where you drain color from things um, so that you can give breath to inanimate objects to make them alive and do cool things like, you know, throw rocks at people, or maybe you make like a straw man, you know, come to life so that they can steal some keys and unlock you from your prison. Apart from that awesome magic system, and apart from the amazing plot and all the great twists and the fantastic ending, which you know, I kind of get a bit spoiled of <laughs> because Brandon Sanderson just pulls out amazing endings every single time. Um, so that's definitely not a bad thing at all. But apart from all those things, I realized that was like a really long run-on sentence. But point aside, the thing I found most compelling about this novel and the thing that I thought was most interesting to analyze in this episode was this whole idea of misfit characters. So what I mean by this is that when, as authors, we are plotting our novels, it's pretty easy to kind of put the most suitable character into the main position that suits them, right? So, you know, if you have kind of an action novel, it makes a lot of sense as an author, just on, you know, kind of a standard level to put someone who is like a stereotypical action hero into that role. So you put someone in the role that is athletic, that has military training, that has, you know, fighting skills or whatever. That's just kind of the... I suppose, intuitive way to do it, right? You're like, oh, this is an action story, I need an action hero. This is a political story, I need a political hero. This is a romantic story, I need, like, someone who is a romantic hero or whatever. You know, it's just about assuming that your characters have to be matched to their role in the plot. And what Warbreaker does very interestingly is it does the opposite. It takes the characters who are the most ill-suited, the most misfitted to their role in the story, and then puts them into a position where their unique abilities are useless, and where they would give anything to trade places with someone else. That's what happens in Warbreaker. You basically see 
Siri, who is kind of this, like, this younger, like, less proper, sort of more energetic and out there princess, she is slotted into the position of Vivina. And Vivina has been trained for her whole life to be sort of very prim and proper and understanding of the politics of the God King's court, so that when she marries the God King, she will, like, fit in and be able to keep the alliance between the God King's country and her own. So she is, like, ready for this role. She is being custom-made for this role, but she doesn't get it. Her sister Ciri, who is definitely not made for this role, is put there instead. So what this does is it gives you really interesting opportunities for conflict. Because if you just have a character in a role that is 100% suited to that role, you know, it's like fitting a square-shaped, you know, object into a square-shaped hole. It's just going to be easy. There's not going to be any conflict. There's not going to be swearing or any interesting creative ways to get your square object into the square hole because it just fits. It's just easy. It's just standard. But if you're trying to get like a circular object into your square hole, then things start getting a bit more interesting. You might have to hammer it in there. You know, you're probably going to be really annoyed that you can't figure out how shapes work. Maybe you boss the hole open so that the circle can fit in. And it's the same deal with character here because when you have these contrasting characters put in roles that are suited opposite to what they would be best at, it gives you this really good opportunity for an amazing character arc. So I want to look at the six steps of the character arc that is, happens in Warbreaker with respects to Ciri and Vivina and how they are placed in misfit roles. So number one, they both find themselves in situations that each other would be better at. They both find themselves in situations that the other person would be much more suited to solving. So again, Ciri finds herself in the role of being married to the God King, a role that Vivina was prepared for her entire life. Vivina, on the other hand, must deal with losing her role and kind of her identity crisis that comes with that. And what she does is she decides to travel to the God King's city to try to secretly rescue Ciri and take her back to their country. So she basically becomes kind of this roguish spy-like resistance fighter, which is a role that is much better suited to Ciri, who prefers to be like, you know, adventuring and outdoors and doing, you know, things that are more out there and stuff. Number two, each character asks themselves how they can channel aspects of the other person's personality to solve their problems. So when Ciri is in the God King's court, at the start of the novel, she's wondering, how can I use some of Vivina's, you know, properness um, and propriety and sort of royal training to fit in better in this role and to succeed and survive within this brutal world of politics that I now find myself into. So for example, she realizes that Vivina has this amazing ability of self-control. So she, Siri, kind of takes on this same capacity to, you know, have self-control of her emotions so that she's less vulnerable in court. Similarly, Vivina is kind of like pretty snobby and stuck up um, and judgmental of people who don't follow her belief system. And she has to learn to be more like Siri, more open, more like accepting, more go with the flow sort of in order to fit in and not antagonize the people she's dealing with in order to achieve her story goal of liberating Siri. Number three, the characters slowly grow to become more like each other. So with every incident of, um, you know, them trying to take on another aspect of the other person's personality, person's personality, I've said that twice, really bad with alliteration today, with every little action that sees them step towards being the other person, their identities sort of start to shift and almost reverse. And this brings us to number four. 
the midpoint. So midpoints are crucial in any story. Um, and what's interesting in Warbreaker is that the midpoint crisis punishes each character for behaving as their old selves. However, it also rewards them when they try again and embrace the personality of their new selves. So in this case, they are rewarded for embracing the personality of their opposite. So Siri for being more like Vivina, Vivina for being more like Siri. So if we look at Vivina's kind of midpoint crises, she tries to use patriotism um, and references to the, her king to persuade people to join her cause and rebel against the God King. However, it doesn't work. They're all disillusioned. So then she decides to just bribe the slumlord guards in the God King's city, um, you know, promising things like titles and trade contracts. So this is much less patriotic and it's much more practical. It's something that Siri would do. You know, Siri is much more willing at the start of the novel to, you know, just kind of breach sort of social conventions and propriety. On the other hand, Siri decides to attend and throw herself into politics of the God King's court to gain information. And up until now, she hasn't really shown a lot of interest in the political side. Um, you know, she is basically taking a leaf from Vivina's book, because Vivina, you'll remember, was trained in sort of the politics of the God King's court, you know, in preparation for her marriage her entire life. Um, and also, she kind of sees this personality shift, where she's, at the start of the novel, kind of really dislikes how stern and formal and stiff upper lip, uh, st stiff, stiff upper lip her country is. However, in this midpoint crisis, she sort of grows towards the opposite. You know, she thinks that, quote, my people may be too stern, but it is also good to be, it is also not good to become as self-indulgent as some of these returned. So those that returned to the people who are in the God King's court. So what we can see here is she is becoming a bit more like Vivina, a bit more appreciative of the propriety of her home nation. And it's just an interesting point here to note that Vivina arguably has a bigger midpoint crisis and a bigger moment of bigger moment of character change than Siri does. And that will come in handy when I explain a later point, so stay tuned. So number five. But it's not just as simple as a reversal. It's not just as simple as taking character A and then making them into character B, and then making character B into character A. Because each of the characters reach a crisis point later in the novel, where they must decide whether to re revert to their old ways, or fully embrace the new personality, or reach a kind of synthesis between the two. And this is interesting, because up until now, Siri and Vivina's arcs have been very much mirrors of each other. They've both become more like each other, and sort of swapped roles over the story. However, something interesting happens here. Because Siri realizes that her fieriness mustn't be contained, um, and should instead be used to upset the forces of opposition. So she is basically reverting more to how she was at the start of the novel. You know, she's kind of throwing off some of her, you know, properness and princessness, if that's a, if that's a word. Um, that she was sort of taking inspiration from Siri, sorry, that Siri was taking inspiration from Vivina to adopt. But on the other hand, Vivina appears to fully accept her new Siri-like persona, because at the end of the novel, she is given the choice essentially to join the court, to rejoin the court, um, you know, the life that she was prepared for, or she's given the choice to join this other character and become a bit of an adventurer. 
which is something that Siri, at least the Siri at the start of the novel, would have 100% accepted like that, because she loves being outside, loves adventuring, loves exploring. And what Vivina does is she, unlike Siri, who sort of re reverts a bit at the end, Vivina becomes more like Siri and, you know, accepts this call to adventure and leaves the court behind, leaves the politics, leaves the being a princess behind and just sort of hits the road with this other person. And this is really interesting because it brings me to my last point, point number six. Because mirrors and character oppositions and dichotomies are really powerful. Because what we can see here is that the symmetry, the moments of symmetry, compared to the moments of opposition in their arcs, is emphasized due to their contrast. So if we just had one of these characters in the novel, let's say we just had Vivina, and it was just about her, and the story simply followed her learning to be less of a proper princess and more of an adventurer. Sure, it would probably still be an interesting story, especially in the hands of my favorite author, Brandon Sanderson, but by having another character which goes through almost a reverse arc, it lets you point out moments where each character's journey sort of dips and bumps from what you would expect. So you would expect, you know, Siri becomes fully like Vivina, Vivina becomes fully like Siri. But what kind of happens is Siri becomes like Vivina and then sort of jumps back to being Siri, whereas Vivina just becomes sort of fully Siri. And you'll remember that I mentioned earlier that Vivina has a bigger midpoint crisis and a bigger moment of change in the middle of the novel. And that's reflecting how at the end she has more of a complete and full arc because she becomes more like Siri. And that's not to say that Siri's arc is weaker. It's just saying that it's a different type of complexity because she is not doing a sort of simple, you know, A to B journey. She's doing more like a A and then to B and then to something like between A and B. So to wrap this all up, next time you're plotting a novel, if it is relevant for you to have two sort of equally important protagonists, think about ways that you can use their character arcs and their character journeys to comment on each other's arcs and comment on each other's journeys. Because when you're able to have two characters who go through similar experiences yet differ slightly at key points in how they respond to those experiences, what you're able to do is you're able to create contrast and you're able to emphasize important aspects of their arc. Much as in the same way that a color stands out against the background of an opposite shade. Thank you for listening to the Novel Analyst Podcast. If you would like to support this podcast, if you have been enjoying my analysis, I would hugely appreciate if you could leave a quick rating and review on iTunes or the podcast medium of your choice. I read every one of those reviews and it makes a big difference in helping this show get discovered by more authors who want to learn to become better writers. So thank you very much and I will see you next time.